Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Greetings. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Hi, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Friends, today we have Dash Whelan from the Party for Socialism and Liberation. And he's going to talk to us about all the stuff his party does and believes. So welcome. Let's get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, really appreciate you having me on. I was uh, born and raised in the Midwest. That's actually where I still do my work with PSL. Um, I grew up on a small farm uh, surrounded by much larger farms and, and sort of by rural America in general. And that played a, a large part in sort of my uh, political osmosis uh, now in terms of my top politics. I saw neighborhoods hollowed out um, and abused and neglected uh, by some of the most powerful interests in uh, certainly our country, if not the world. Um, so that, that definitely had an impact on the, the way that I see politics. But um, you know, I, I had to uh, sort of have, I had to undergo a bit of a metamorphosis to even be able to recognize that. I uh, think I first started sort of paying attention to politics right around when uh, Obama was at the, the height of his popularity um, during his two terms as president. Um, and specifically, I can remember uh, learning about Guantanamo Bay, the existence of Guantanamo Bay for the first time, because it was one of Barack Obama's uh, campaign promises was that he was going to close uh, Guantanamo. So I read about this and, you know, it really just opens my eyes. I can't believe that my country is treating people this way. I'm reading about Cuba, our treatment of Cuba in general, and it's just it kind of shocked me. Um, so I, in the next eight years, I'm reading more, I'm studying more. Uh, I probably don't have to tell you that at the end of, of uh, you know, Obama's uh, presidency, I was fairly disappointed. Both uh, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan had continued. Guantanamo Bay was still open. And that's to say nothing of the illegal drone assassinations or really the inaugural use of the newly militarized post 9-11 police force against U.S. population in Standing Rock and Ferguson, to a lesser degree even in uh the, against the Occupy uh, movements as well. We could go on about uh, bailing out the banks in 2008, nobody going to prison for that, on and on and on. But uh, essentially, the, I felt this growing sort of dissatisfaction with the political options that were available to me. And that was exaggerated, I think, in, in 2016, as it was for many people uh, by the emergence of Bernie Sanders, uh, leading what was, I mean, I think for the, for the Democrats, really, um, the only shot at keeping sort of a popular momentum going. Obama had tens of thousands of people show up to uh, to speaking events, and, and Sanders had the same thing happen. Uh, and several of the policies that Sanders promoted were extremely popular. Uh, so, you know, the, on the one hand, you've got this sort of burgeoning political movement in 2016, uh, led led by Sanders, and then on the other side, you have more of the political the political establishment in uh, in Clinton. Uh, and when the Clinton campaign ultimately won the primary and, and went on to, to face Trump in the general, I, I think it was uh, indicative of sort of the, the growing separation between the, Dem uh, the Democratic Party and maybe some of their base that they uh, ignored much of what Sanders had brought to the table in terms of popular policies. Um, and of course, Clinton went on to lose to Trump, um, partially because of lost votes in Wisconsin and Michigan. So this was sort of the cherry on the cake, right? I, I don't, I can't understand, you know, why are we, why, why is the Democratic Party, this party that supposedly represents my interests, why can I, why can't I rely on uh, these politicians to do the things that they say they're going to in their campaigns? And further, why are we making what seems to me to be sort of unforced errors in terms of uh, not getting the policies that we claim we believe through or not promoting things that are popular am among our base? 
Um, and it was around that time, uh, around uh, Trump's presidency, that I was introduced then to the idea of capital, the idea of capitalism as a way of understanding why people do the things they do, why our politics are the way they are. And that was very clarifying for me. Uh, and I began to immediately see how the impacts of uh, profit-seeking in our political system were rotting out um, what, what we had previously been able to rely on, perhaps at one point in time, um, as being people who, who genuinely cared for the well-being of their constituents. Um, but that had been changed by the influence of, of, of profit in, in politics. So at this point, I, you know, I would have called myself broadly anti-capitalist, maybe vaguely left-wing, um, but uh, lots of people are anti-capitalist. You can probably find people online today, right, who uh, would be some sort of neo-feudalist. Well, they're anti-capitalist too, right? Capitalism is just one mode of production and lots of people um, are, are anti-capitalist. But it was really the uprisings in 2020 in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and the beginnings of my relationship with PSL that saw that anti-capitalism be focused into more of a solution rather than a critique. I think I, it was very clear to me that capitalism was failing as a mode of production and certainly was having deleterious effects on our politics and culture, but I didn't have an alternative. I didn't know what to tell people to go to. Um, and my introduction to the PSL uh, gave me that. So at first it was as simple as, like I said, they were the ones who were sort of there in, uh, in the summer of 2020 when uh, police brutality came to my hometown um, and, and to my family, the PSL was, was, were the, uh, doing work on the ground. It was their medics, it was their organization that kept people safe and helped to organize. So that, um, that was sort of the initial reason. But now since um, the PSL has a candidacy period that I've been through um, taking classes and it's been, uh, I've seen my politics much refined towards a, a more clear perspective, which I would call socialism. All right, that gives us a great introduction to yourself and your political background. So you were just talking about the candidacy to become a member of PSL. So can you kindly explain that process for people out there who may be interested by the possibility? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to say, Andrew, is just that in the United States, what we conceive of as political parties, it's not really the same as the way that other countries might consider political parties. It's sort of de facto membership you're a Democrat or a Republican because you say you are. Sure, you might be like on the roll somewhere, you might get like the the, the registration is a Democratic primary registration or, or so on and so forth, but you don't pay dues, um, you, don't, you don't attend meetings, you, you, there are no like mandatory actions that are required of you as a member of the Democratic or Republican party. Um, and so the PSL sits in sort of uh, juxtaposition to that where participating in the party uh, comes with significant responsibilities. You're expected to sacrifice some aspect of your life to the party's goals. Um, and that I think is uh, probably a more traditional sense of what a political party would look like. And I think it's, uh, it also makes political parties much more uh, effective because all of the members are actually engaged in the day-to-day the, 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 the -day politics. So the reason uh, that PSL has these classes is one, uh, to uh, instill in people the understanding of why it's important to have a political party that is disciplined, um, but to to uh, give a sort of an alternative to, if you will, the capitalist education of the way of the understanding of the world. Um, the the lessons, the history, the stories about history that I was told in high school are, uh, let's just say, uh, there are alternative ways to view those things. Um, in the whole swaths of American history, for example, the labor movement were left out. And so these classes fill in those blanks. Uh, I learned about the history of liberation movements in the United States for the first time uh, as an adult, things that I had never learned in you know, AP US history classes. I took uh, courses in American history in college. 
And the labor movement was like largely just ignored. And so this fills in some of those gaps. It also uh, it does something for the party itself. Um, it's there's uh, we want it to be as inclusive um, a party as possible. And uh, obviously, when you're doing mass politics, people have differences of opinion. And so these classes also help people to work out any reactionary points of view they might have. So let's say we've got somebody who you know is uh, completely convinced that they're being taken advantage of and maligned by their boss. They see themselves as a socialist, but they grew up in uh, sort of maybe a restrictive religious environment, and they have uh, a poor perspective uh, on the LGBTQ community. Well, we have two options: we can ignore that person, or we can educate them. And I think the the party uh, the party's line is to do the latter and to go to the working class and and to bring them the liberatory uh, education required to sort of have a shift in perspective, not just about your relationship to capital, but about your relationship with other people as well. Sounds good. So kindly explain what causes and campaigns your chapter is working on right now. Yeah, I think the one I'm, I'm most excited about that we're most excited about internally is uh, being able to work with the library un workers union uh, here in town. Uh, our, our local library system has a CEO. Uh, I know that's a strange thing to think about, but they do. Um, and the CEO several months ago was um, basically some issues were brought forward that the CEO had uh, made racist and inflammatory comments to not one, but multiple workers. So the union files a formal complaint and asks for, you know, apology reparations to be made. And the CEO says no. Um, so we began a campaign to have the CEO changed. And just last week learned that that was accomplished. The CEO stepped down. So that that was that felt really encouraging to be able to work in solidarity uh, with the with the library workers union, um, and honestly to to help people break through what was a bureaucratic uh, landlock. There nobody was getting anywhere, and I think some of the energy that um, uh, the BSL and the volunteers were able to bring um, to the, the cause, and certainly some of the press, has helped to, to to make that a victory for for the library's worker union, uh, and that's extremely exciting for us. So I think that's probably locally most exciting, but um, maybe I could speak uh, about the, the national presidential campaign in 2020 as well. Sure, go for it. Yeah, so uh, in 2020, uh, we actually ran a, a candidate for president, Gloria Lariva, um, and that was uh, alongside Sunil Freeman, uh, both lifelong activists. Sunil Freeman especially advocate, uh, advocates for disability rights, um, and Gloria Lariva has been a, a mainstay of, of the fight for socialism. Uh, basically her entire life. So they have a 10 point program, but I think I'll just start by sort of, uh, you know, leading with the most exciting, exciting news, which is from a third, you know, third party perspective, which is that the, in 2020, the PSL was on the ballot in 15 states and had write-in status in another 13. Uh, and in fact, collected more votes for an, uh, an openly socialist candidate than anybody has collected since the seventies. So that is, you know, a direct example of getting people um, an authentic, a genuine socialist alternative and that uh, it's beginning to become popular and that people, when they go to the ballot box, they want a way to express their political opinions that don't require them to um, to bury or to violate um, their, their values. Um, so the reason that we that the PSL ran for, uh, you know, ran a candidate for presidency, uh, that might be funny coming from a socialist, but there are essentially three reasons. The first is, like I said, provide a genuine alternative, a genuine socialist alternative to the capitalist parties that exist. Um, in that currently in the United States, people are very much under the belief that you only have two options. You either vote Republican or Democrat. From my perspective, those are largely different flavors of the same interest. 
the interest is in maintaining the status quo and, and maintaining capitalism. And so for me to be able to go to the ballot box and, and vote for somebody who shares my perspective is is valuable. Um, so that first and foremost, just that there is a genuine socialist alternative to the to the parties that exist. Um, but secondly, you know, to continue to popularize socialism um, as the only viable alternative to capitalism and its ills, and to begin building the movement for uh, for you know larger revolution in the United States. So um, just to say that we feel really uh, really excited by the 2020 campaign. Uh, feel like we got a lot of great press and had some excellent conversations. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail, but um, maybe I'll just briefly read through what the campaign was, um, so that people can get a sense of of what. What the PSL ran on, and what specifically Gloria Lariba and Sunil Freeman had as uh, as their principles. So, to make it brief, I'll just quickly read through this. It's a ten-point uh, campaign, but uh, short headers here. The first is that we would make the essentials of life, food, housing, water, and education, into constitutional rights. The second is that in order for the earth to live, capitalism must be replaced by socialism. Point three. End racism, police brutality, and mass incarceration, and pay reparations to the African American community. Four, full rights for all immigrants, no questions asked. Five, shut down all US military bases around the world and bring all the troops, planes, and ships home. Number six, honor our native treaties. We don't need new laws to protect Native Americans. We need to respect the laws we already have in place that we're violating, and we need to free the political prisoners. Uh, that have uh, been taken by the U.S. over decades, including Leonard Peltier, who's been a political prisoner for fighting for Native rights for decades. Number seven, full equality for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. That means no religious exemption laws. Number eight, equality for women and free, safe, legal abortion on demand. Number nine, defense and expansion of our unions. And number 10, take over the stolen wealth of the giant banks and corporations and jail Wall Street criminals rather than giving them simple fines. So that's sort of the 10-point program, and I hope we'll give your listeners a sense of what the PSL stands for um, and uh, the, the types of ideas and policies that we'd like to promote through uh, the, the third-party candidacy, but also just through our actions in general. Since you mentioned that the PSL got the most number of votes for a socialist party since the 70s, what do you attribute that success to? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think in no small part, we do owe it to sort of the progressive wing uh, of the Democratic Party. I think that that introduced, uh, like it did for, for me, it introduced to people sort of the, the questions that lead to, I think, a more fundamental questioning of the system that we have. Uh, when Bernie Sanders stands on sta stage and says, I just don't get it. Explain to me why we pay 10 times more for health care and get worse health outcomes. Well, those are hard questions to answer without your conclusion being ultimately, well, it's capitalism. Uh, capitalism is the problem. And so as people are, are starting to ask these questions and come again and again and again to this, this shared root cause, I think uh, interest in alternatives uh, flourishes. I, I think we probably also have seen a little bit of a softening of the Cold War freeze on socialism. Uh, my parents' generation, and I would say still to the state, when I tell my parents I'm a communist, uh, that it certainly gets a rise out of people, um, people slightly older than me. I think that that propaganda has has uh, died out quite a bit um, since maybe the 80s and 90s. And so younger people uh, maybe don't have the uh, or the preconceived notions of what what socialism means. Um, and then finally, I think that I think that uh, as people get uh, more accustomed to using the internet to, to access alternative perspectives, it also becomes, uh, I think, more of a discussion. 
to put it this way, uh, I had a very xenophobic, very, I would say, very racist, very reactionary perspective on China until I became a socialist and saw that China has uh, brought more people out of poverty than any other nation, faster than any other nation in history. It's a massive accomplishment uh, of human will and something to be admired. And so I think some of that change has changed as well. The access to information leads to a more nuanced perspective on, on world historical events as well. So I think it's a combination of things. I'd like also to think that just people are being won by the ideas that you know people can do the math on their head and say, hey, we spent a trillion dollars on war. What if we just spent half of that on, I don't know, restoring manufacturing in the United States or whatever, right? Um, I'd, I'd like to think that the ideas themselves are, are winning people over as well. How do you plan to implement the vision of the PSL through electoral politics? Is that one way? Are there other ways? How do you plan to implement the vision? Yeah, uh, I think that that's a really good question and exactly the point that we'd want to make. Um, uh, electoralism is a tool. It, it's a great tool and it's a tool that's valuable and certainly something we want to take advantage of and do uh, as, as we've just gotten done talking about. You know, we run for president. Uh, we run, ran a candidate for president. Um, and certainly you could find PSL members running for mayor or for city council um, around the United States. Ultimately, um, we are a revolutionary party. Uh, we think it will probably take more than can be accomplished by just uh, electoral politics. Um, but, uh, you know, alternatives look like building up alternatives to state power. So here in the city where I live, we do a particularly poor job of feeding people who don't have houses. Uh, well, the two main uh, or two or three of the main efforts uh, to, to fit, solve that problem are socialist groups. So sort of presenting, the, doing the things that the state won't. The state fails to feed people, so the socialists go and feed them. And I think that building up of sort of an alternative to state power can be useful as well. So um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Electoralism is, is one of the tools, um, although there are others. I would say when we just go out and do like a direct action, when we, when we bring food to people, that is often the most convincing thing that we that we ever have conversations like this, you know, uh, an in-depth debate about the merits of one system or another can be useful. And I think in some cases it can change minds. But uh, at least in my experience so far, uh, helping people materially is the best way to convince them of your ideas. So I think that that's probably the approach that we'll continue to take. So you mentioned the importance of reading different perspectives earlier in the conversation. What recommendations for expanding one's perspective do you have for our audience? Yeah, um, so the, you know, I'd be remiss to not mention uh, my party's resources. So liberationschool.org uh, is the PSL's uh, sort of uh, educational uh, uh, center website. And I honestly, I really encourage people to start with something like that, where you're sort of getting a synthesis of uh, news and theory uh, and history all blended into an article that you can read with a more of a narrative thread through it. I know a lot of people say, you know, go right away and just read the Communist Manifesto. I think you can do that. It's not that difficult. You can read it. And even if you disagree, you know, if you're listening to this and you're staunchly anti-socialist, I'd encourage you, give it a read and then you'll be more equipped to sort of disagree with it. But um, certainly theory is valuable. I have personally in my life found that these sort of uh, synthesized uh, articles are, are easier or um, take less effort for me to get involved in. The other thing I'd like to just plug is um, liberationnews.org, uh, which is our news website. And then finally, a, a podcast series that was just launched by a, a friend of mine uh, called Reading Capital with Comrades, uh, where it's a reading series of where we read Das Capital, uh, Marx's book, 
and it's sort of a week by week uh, with supplemental articles and the podcast just really gets into like a close reading of line by line what was intended by this text. And if you're finding yourself in a position where you're more convinced of socialism and you're just looking to bring some rigor to your thinking, your thinking, something like that might be more useful. All right, so that's reading capital with comrades. Yeah, that's right. All right, so how can people out there support your party? Yeah, I think uh, you know some of the main things are consider joining. Um, if you are somebody who has been convinced uh, of socialism, or even if you just find yourself curious about it, you're wondering, am I a socialist? Um, or what does it mean to be anti-capitalist? Or what does it mean to be a revolutionary socialist? If you've got questions like this around in your head, consider joining just to take the classes. Uh, when I did the classes, some people stayed the whole time. Some people got what they needed and left. Um, but I think nobody left feeling like they hadn't been edified. It's gonna, those, those classes are extremely useful because you're with other people who are asking the same questions and you're engaging really deeply on good material with strong teachers. So it's a, it's a great environment to sort of test your ideas. And if you've got a question, if you're wondering if this is the right politics for you, um, join up for the, for the classes and, and make a decision from there. The other thing I'd say is, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be with the PSL. Uh, solve the problems in your backyard. Like I just mentioned, our city does a bad job of feeding people who don't have houses. Your city is doing a bad job of something too. Find what they're doing poorly and start solving that problem. And your neighbors will love that. Uh, and you'll be able to win more people to your perspective. So are the classes online or in person or both? Uh, both, yeah. So it kind of depends. If you've got a local branch, uh, so like if you lived in my city, for example, you would come out and you'd meet me. We have an office space and in a classroom setting. Um, but for people who live further away or in cities where there, there isn't a party presence yet, you would just join online, yeah. All right, and the website for PSL for those classes are in joining? Yeah, uh, let me double check with that. Uh, I think it's psl.org slash join. Uh, let me double check on that though and, uh, and I'll let you know. All right. It's uh, pslweb.org slash join. Uh, thank you for uh, being patient with me there. No worries. All right, excellent. So we thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your views and what your party does and your party's beliefs with the audience. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. All the best to you and your party, and have a great day. You as well.